Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. My name's Luke. To introduce myself to you, and I'm going to be speaking from God's Word today. I'm just going to jump straight in, and um, rather than doing big, long introductions. So my first statement is, we are all unpresentable. We are all unpresentable. Funny way to start a talk. Um, but I'm going to go through and hopefully explain why that is true. Psalm 130 verse 3 says, If you, O Lord, should mark our iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? If God kept a record of every wrong thing you've ever done, would you feel comfortable to stand in front of him? One day we will all stand before God to be judged, and there is only one way that we can boldly stand before him. That way doesn't come in the form of success, achievements, money, power, or fame. The only way to stand before God with full assurance that you won't be condemned is through Jesus. Colossians 1, 21, you might want to quickly flick there in, the, in your Bible. It says this. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds... He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus went to the cross to die so that he might present us holy and blameless before God. When we've put our trust in Jesus, sought forgiveness and turned from living our life doing what we want, we find ourselves going from being unable to stand before God because of our sin to being able to stand before him holy and blameless. Isaiah 61 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has clothed me with robes of righteousness. Jesus has clothed us with righteousness. He covers our sin and all of the associated shame that comes with it. If you have had, if you had, <laughs> if you had the opportunity to stand before the maker of heaven and earth, the God who puts the breath in your lungs and knows every hair on your head, would you rather stand on your own or covered by Jesus? Today, we are continuing our series called Gracism, A Call to Unity. And the title of my sermon today is I'll Cover You. By Jesus going to the cross, he is saying, I'll cover you. He's saying, I'll use my resources, my privilege, my position of authority, my life to cover you. By understanding this, it's going to help us so much as we journey towards greater unity as a church. It helps us to take a look at ourselves and realise that we are all unpresentable and in need of covering. Humbles us, right? I know so many wonderful and amazing people, many who call this church home. And I know that each one of those incredible people who on the face of it seem to do nothing wrong are all in need of saving, are all in need of covering by Jesus. In the greatest demonstration of love ever, Jesus went to the cross to die so that all of us can receive undeserved and unmerited grace. So in this book... David Anderson describes gracism as the positive extension of favour on other human beings based on colour, class or culture. 
We're going to dig into what this means, what gracism looks like in terms of covering now. And it's important to say that in this series, we're particularly focusing on the race part of this, but all of the lessons we are learning are applicable across the board. As part of this series, we're looking at a bit of the Bible, which you might want to flick to now, which was written by a man called Paul, uh, who was a key component in the spread of uh, the good news of Jesus in the early days of the church a couple of thousand years ago. We're looking at a letter Paul wrote to the church, to a church in Greece. And if you have a Bible now, why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians 12 with me? Now, we just heard it read. And the bit we're going to be focusing on today um, is verse 23. I'm just going to read that for us now. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Now, Rich and T focused last night on the first, last night, <laughs> last week on the first part of this verse. And today we are going to be honing in on the middle bit. That, that bit saying, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Now, I don't know about you, but this phrase actually makes me a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> the fact that people will be even described as unpresentable is what gets me. I was brought up to treat people as equals, like I'm sure many of you. We live in a society that is on a constant drive for equality. At the moment, whether that's to do with ethnicity, whether that's to do with gender, whether that's to do with your social status, to even think about calling someone unpresentable, you're asking to be cancelled. And to be clear, because of Jesus, we are all unpresentable, but he makes us presentable. Paul knows that everyone should be treated as equal. We know that. The point is that he's making for all of that is that we are equal in Jesus and we have different roles to play. This passage is not referring to equality in Jesus. It's referring to like our humanity and our flawed humanity, which means we make judgments on other people, which are completely unfounded. We deem people to be unpresentable and presentable because of what our society around us says. Now the church in Corinth, which is, which is like modern day Greece now, where Paul was writing to, was a massive mix of people. It was Jews, it was Greeks, it was slaves and freed. If you don't know what kind of the Jews and Greeks, the difference was the Jews were God's chosen people and had a long history, which you can read about in the Old Testament, of being God's chosen people. The Greeks were not God's chosen people in the Old Testament and had no history with God. Then you had slaves and you had free. People from all walks of life, different backgrounds. And Paul, Paul says, because of Jesus, they've been saved into one body. They've all been covered by Jesus. These people wouldn't normally mix, but because of Jesus, they've been brought together. And Paul is writing, them to, writing to them to help work this out. So now let's get into when he talks about unpresentable parts being shown greater modesty. What does that mean? Um, we're going to focus on the greater modesty bit because I think that helps understand the unpresentable bit first. So the New Testament, if you didn't know, was originally written in Greek. I'm reading from my English Bible and where Bible translators have done like an amazing job translating the language. Sometimes um, when they use words, it doesn't quite encompass all that was being meant in the Greek. Um, so other translations, particularly on this word greater, might exchange it for special, but it still doesn't quite get to the heart of what it is. The essence of what Paul was writing is that something that was uncommon, extraordinary, or over and above what is necessary. And you can see that greater doesn't quite encompass that. It's actually the same word used in John 10, where Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. 
when we hear Jesus talk about abundantly, we get images of this life completely different to what the world might offer. So then we use that same word being used here with regards to showing modesty. It points to it being something unexpected and out of the ordinary. Modesty is a bit more straightforward. In some translations, they use the word honour. So when we combine this bit of digging around, it helps us to understand what Paul is getting at a bit more. It's that sort of feeling that we should show excessive modesty or an honour that is radically different to what the world might expect. Now, even with this, I still find modesty a bit of a funny word. We don't really use it loads. Um, and as I've been preparing, I've actually found it really helpful to look at what the opposite of being modest is. So immodesty. Modesty is, immodesty is basically like a lack of humility or a lack of decency. So we can say that humility is kind of that sense of humility and decency. So when we look at showing special modesty, we can look at us sort of showing a special care or even a special protection. It's important to get this concept of special modesty right. Otherwise, the idea of covering others can, can begin to sound condescending. This is definitely not what we are aiming for. I want to share a personal experience from my life um, about my own body that I hope will help us understand how it works as us as a collective body to cover those that are vulnerable. I'm not comparing my situation to those of different races. I'm trying to use it as an illustration to talk about the body of Christ, which is us at Rev. So I'm sure that most of us would find bits of our bodies that make us feel vulnerable. Most people would never notice them, but we take special care to either cover them up so that we don't draw attention to them. For me, I have a, um, a stoma bag on my side. And no one other than the people I would ever tell would know that. It's because I'm extremely conscious of it. I'm insecure about it. And I do my best not to accentuate it. I take extra effort to make sure my clothes hide it. And until I literally said something, I'm pretty sure that 95% of you would never have known that about me. The key thing to think about this, though, is I need my stoma bag to live. It shaped my life experience, my dependence on God, my outlook on life. But it doesn't mean I go around unnecessarily exposing it. It would draw unnecessary attention to myself and make me more vulnerable than I need to be. So how does this example of me sharing about that apply to the body of Christ? Well, all parts of the church, the people, are vital to who we are. Every person matters. Their contribution is invaluable. Their very presence makes us collectively stronger. They help shape our understanding of Jesus in ways that we won't be able to from our own life. But there are times where certain parts of the body need to be treated with special care, special modesty. We need to, as a church, become more in tune to when different people might need that special care, that out-of-the-ordinary honour showing to them, that they might need protection. And that's where those in the majority need to take the chance, the opportunity to cover those in the minority. This whole series, if you were to try and boil it down, is about choosing to love others who are different to us. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, this is what he says in John 13, verse 35. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus is our role model of what it is to show love. No one has or ever will go to the lengths that he did. 
He demonstrated love in the most extraordinary way. And he calls us as followers of him to be known by the way that we love. Martin Luther King Jr., this is a quote from him. He says, we have before us the glorious opportunity to inject a new dimension of love into the veins of our civilization. I'll read that again. It's really powerful. We have before us the glorious opportunity to inject a new dimension of love into the veins of our civilization. I would love us as a church to become such a radical demonstration of love, regardless of people's ethnicity, gender, or social status, that the world around us has to take notice. As a church, we have a prophetic word, a word from God over us that we would be known by our love. In a time of polarizing opinions, discrimination, hurt, and racism, we have a chance to inject a new dimension of love into the veins of our civilization. So how, how does showing special modesty to the unpresentable parts of our body play out for us at Rev? Well, this series came out of the fact that part of Revelation Church was and still is hurting due to racism in our society and sadly within the church. And to ignore it or not do something around about it would be like trying to carry on life with one leg. So back in June, myself, Steph and Rich, the elders at Rev here, we invited all of those from ethnic minorities within the church to come and share their experiences, good and bad, at Rev. It was a sad time to hear some of the hurt that people had felt and inflicted on their map, Rev. Some key themes that seemed to be coming up were many felt awkward at Rev and unable to be themselves and felt they could only present a certain side of themselves. People had experienced a lot of insensitive comments, ignorant comments, conversations and behaviour. And people had been on the receiving end of what can only be described as racist comments and jokes. Hearing these many experiences has allowed us to have a greater understanding and insight as to what it's like to be a minority at Rev. We never set out like that to discriminate. We, we, we genuinely want us to be one body where everyone can play their part. But we've come to realise that there were many feeling vulnerable and exposed at Rev. And I think the reason this series has come is we feel a responsibility to take this moment to cover them, to say, we are with you. We will shield you and we will look to help you. You don't need to expose yourself in this moment because we can cover you and share. Now I'm going to show you two images now which I hope will help us to see why certain parts of our body might be deemed unpresentable and in need of covering. These are images that I think will help us to realise that our culture despite seeming to be a culture that fights for equality, does not seem to actually preach, practice what it preaches. Our culture is feeding us with what is deemed presentable and what is not. Now, this first image that you'll see on screen is from a campaign um, which was done a few years ago by Cephas Williams. It's a campaign called 56 Black Men. And what they did is they took pictures of 56 black men uh, wearing black hoodies 
and there's a big bold statement saying, I am not a stereotype. The campaign looks to challenge the lazy and dangerous stereotype. This is what, I'm going to, sorry, I was reading it, but actually it's, this is Cephas Williams' quote, the, the, the guy who did this. He said, the campaign looks to challenge the lazy and dangerous stereotypes of the black man and the negative connotations and stigma attached to the cliched image of black man wearing a hoodie. The campaign makes a visually bold statement by showing black men wearing a hoodie, while it also features text on what these men currently do for work. It features men from the world of finance, the arts, legal and business, right through to the medical field and more. This is generally the opposite of what society has been conditioned to expect of a black man, and in some cases even influences how men view themselves and their ability. You see this reflected through the lack of black representation within the workplace also. So powerful. So powerful, such a powerful campaign by Cephas Williams. I encourage you to go to their website. If you just Google 56 black men, you'll be able to read about it more. You might even spot one of our dear revers on there as well. I'm going to show you another image now. I, this week, searched in Google, Wedding Magazine's Covers 2020. And the image on screen is the first page of my Google search. For those in the room, Countless first pages were of white women in wedding dresses. To find someone who wasn't white took a long time on that first just straight Google search. It was quite stark, and the more I scrolled, the more embarrassed I became. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, society is telling us what parts of society are unpresentable. Without knowing it, it will even be affecting our thinking. These are just two examples but next time you walk down the street, take a look at the bus advert. Or look at the clothes website you're shopping on. Or look at who plays what, what roles in the films and TV shows that you watch. Until I began to read and listen, I didn't get this whole topic, if I'm being completely honest with you. I felt that just looking to treat others as equal was good enough. And I now realise that's not. Unconscious bias is a phrase that's being thrown around a lot. But I hope that the two images I've shown show that our unconscious bias is being driven by the world around us. What we deem as presentable is shoved in our faces whether we like it or not. So we need to show greater honour to those, those that society deems unpresentable. Just showing the same won't make up for the lack. So what does covering look like in our context? What does it look like for us at REV? I was chatting with a friend last week about his experience as a black man, both in church and society. He said to me, one of the biggest things that he finds as someone in the minority at Rev is, is a phrase called integration fatigue. The best way to put that is when you're in the minority, you spend a lot of time having to try and fit in in most contexts. The way you speak, what you speak about. Many of us would probably relate to this sort of feeling when we're in a new context. For those not in the majority, though, this is an ongoing thing. Imagine how exhausting that is. That's why those of us in the majority need to take extra care, give special attention, to be overly considerate to those in the minority. Dr. Maya Angelou, who was an author, writer, activist, an amazing woman, said, I've learned that people forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. I know when someone has made the extra effort for me, it makes me feel valued recognised, cared for. If as a church we can do 
do that. What a beautiful thing that would be. Everyone highly valued and esteemed, being able to use the gifts that God has given them and seeing us all flourish as a result. I don't know who wouldn't want that. Covering is about protecting. It's about dignifying. It's about sacrificing. It's using what we have to help those in the minority, those in need. It's about those in the majority having the courage, humility and compassion to love those in the minority in a way that is extraordinary and over and above what is expected. Jesus has done that for every one of us. And the call on us is to do the same to those around us. We see it where Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan and a man is lying on the side of the road in need of help. Several people passing by, rabbis and teachers, people of the law, One man, a Samaritan man, stops to help. And he wasn't in that context saying, I'm better than you. He covers him without pity or shame. When people in our church are hurting, we can't just walk by. We must engage, we must help. As I said at the start, we're talking about this in the context of race. But all of us at some point in our lives will need covering or will find ourselves in the position to be able to cover us, cover others. We need to think about that. We need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of other people's needs so that we can cover them well. True unity is only achievable because of the Lord. Many of us here in this room and joining in only know each other because of the work that Jesus has done in our lives. If we can all commit to being open to the Holy Spirit leading us as to how we look to engage in this well. We can look to the Holy Spirit to be open to revealing our blind spots. Look to the Holy Spirit to be challenging our unconscious biases that we, in fact, is unconscious. You don't even realise you hold it. Then I trust that we will see Rev become a church that stands out because of our love for one another. I'm going to read one final quote from a film called Just Mercy. He says, We can't change the world with only ideas in our mind. We need conviction in our hearts. I'm going to pray for us. And then the band are going to sing. And then Steph's going to help us respond. Lord, we come before you humbled by your sacrifice, humbled by your love for us, humbled by the way you used all that you had to cover us. We say thank you. We thank you that one day we can stand before our maker, knowing that we are covered by you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us now. Would you begin to reveal blind spots? Would you be out, begin to reveal things to us that we didn't even realise about ourselves? Lord, let us not just have ideas in our mind of what we could do. Let us have conviction in our hearts by you. Lord, I pray for those who are hurting. Would you comfort them? Would you be near to them? For those in the majority, would you reveal to us how we can help, how we can love? Let us not be scared 
Let us be courageous in looking to love one another. Jesus, this is all for your glory. We want to see this church looking more and more like how you intended it to be. A wonderful body of believers from every tribe, nation and tongue being able to celebrate you together. Lord, for those who might have never put their trust in you, might have never sought your covering, Lord, would you draw near to them? Thank you that you say all who call on your name shall be saved. Are all entitled when we put our trust in you for that unmerited and unfavoured grace. Thank you, Lord. We ask all of this in your name, Lord. Amen.